Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Cross-border Carl number three, Graham Brown and Carl Ellicott. Carl, how you doing? Doing well, my friend. How you doing tonight? I am fantastic. Always look forward to speaking to you. This is the highlight of my week. And you know what? We're into episode number three. We said we were going to do four pilots and then just really fly and it's going pretty well i mean we're sort of we're we're touching a nerve with people about this whole idea of the west looking at the east and today we've got some interesting news i want to share this with you carl you know i looked in business insider today and obviously business insider is a u.s publication so it you know it's not sort of selling the whole idea of asia or anything like that but the story was really interesting and you know I'm not in the space, so I'm not in West Coast US, so I don't know what kind of geography is involved, but there was a whole article in Business Insider which says that San Francisco, so, you know, the hub of the valley, if you like, so is so expensive that people are now commuting from Oregon. You know, <laughs> I mean, what, I don't know. I don't know where to start. It's like geography-wise, I mean, put me in perspective. I mean, like, how, how far apart is that? That's not just like down the road is it i mean how far is that no i mean you know it's what's funny about that statement first is we don't have hyperloop yet so (laughs) so these guys it's not like we're just getting on bullet trains and doing this right this is this is massive travel so oregon you've got is an entire state away um and i mean flight wise so from san francisco to seattle is a couple hours so so it's probably about hour and a half two hour flight Right. Um, which isn't too bad, but tack on getting to the airport and waiting, getting to the air landing at the airport and getting out. Um, you, you've got quite a bit of time that, that can be almost a, a half day to, to, um, uh, or longer, uh, for someone to travel. But, right. uh, the funny thing is this is not uncommon, um, which is absolutely crazy to say. It is crazy to say. I yeah. can't believe, I mean, you know, if you were to forget flying, I mean, if you were just to take a car down the, you know, to, I mean, that would be nine and a half hours. It's it's just yeah. around about 600 miles. I mean, you can't even yeah. commute that. That would be, you'd have to, you know, you'd have to effectively, I don't know where you'd hole up for the night, park bench. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just insane. You say it's not, it's not uncommon. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. I mean, what kind of people are doing this? I mean, I'll dig some info out from the article in a minute, but from your experience, where are you seeing this going on? Yeah, so it's um, in California as a whole, it's it's quite common for for uh, um, kind of top to bottom state, if you will, uh, commuting. And and I'll, and I'll explain why is that you've got two mega cities. So you have San Francisco and Los Angeles. And by flight, they can be about an hour to an hour and a half, max two hours, depending on the plane. Um, apart. And there's a lot of business that happens between them with finance, um, with investment, with uh, entertainment, um, and, and media, agency, so on. There's a lot of business that happens back and forth. So there are commuting services. So just like a commuter shuttle or bus, they have commuter um, planes. And some of these you know, are on a monthly basis for this is going to sound crazy to our listeners, but uh, for about 700 to 1000 or more U.S. dollars, 
you know, you can fly back and forth between a, a select few cities on the north and the south of the state um, to be able to do business. Right. Um, and why it's more common here than anywhere else in the country is because, one, you, as you mentioned, you have the valley, right? The, the epicenter of, of innovation, is, as most people have seen it to date, um, which is now shifting, uh, as we've talked about in other podcasts. But um, what's important here is a lot of people come here to raise money. So, and, and vice versa now in Los Angeles. So people are getting on these planes and doing same day meetings. So they don't have to worry about that, uh, additional stays. Mm. Now the Oregon reference, those are people that are actually living, um, in Oregon. There's, they do the same thing. Now there's an article from Dallas where people were living in Dallas and the company they worked for rented private jets, which were cheaper uh, for them to shuttle people in um, X amount of days a week uh, where they would come in, they would live in San Francisco for four days and they'd fly them back than it was for the executives to actually live in the city for right. how much more they had to pay them. How much more they had to pay. I mean, this is just incredibly wasteful. Yeah. Dallas to San Francisco, that must be, what, a four-hour flight, a three-hour flight? What? Private yeah, three jet? or four. Three to four three hour. Four. I mean, private jet? Yeah, and they the, get this. In Vegas was another where Vegas, people were looking at the cost of living in Vegas for just for, for reference sake, because um, I can't remember all the details of the article, so not, not quoting me here, but um, you know, a single-family home in Las Vegas, the cost of living, taxes, everything, um, that that alone was cheaper in addition to a flight every day from Las <laughs> Vegas to San Francisco – than that same single family living in the city right, and right. having to own or buy a home. It's just it's, crazy. It's incredible. And you can see why Zappos set themselves up in Las Vegas, right? Because it just made complete sense economic, uh, economically. I've got some data here just whilst we're on yeah. that. The cost in this article, it says, I mean, it quotes the head of Google's global customer acquisitions team, Darren Presence, who's based out in Bend. Now, Bend is a, just out of, from you know, just a little bit out of Oregon, but a one-bedroom apartment to rent in Bend is eleven hundred bucks a month. If you were to rent yeah. in downtown Union Square in San Francisco, it's four times that, so forty-four hundred a month. Right. It's incredible right. so it's, difference. And 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 Union Square is not the best reference, right, but right. I'll say overall in the city, I think the average right now for twenty seventeen is you know about thirty-two, thirty-four hundred dollars U.S. So three thousand four hundred dollars U.S. per month. Um, for, for a one bedroom or in some cases a studio and you know, that, that's, that is, um, you know, the global perspective of things that's actually affecting San Francisco in a very negative way, um, more than ever right now Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of news. There's a lot of, lot of, um, uh, discussions going on about, you know, San Francisco and the Valley no longer being the Valley. Um, and you know, so much that another article referenced that San Francisco in Q4 2017 saw the most people, uh, leaving the city than any other city in the entire country. Wow. And that it's a continuous trend that's not slowing down. Now, what does this mean in the big context of things? So if you look at the U S as a whole, what's starting to happen is, You've got the hubs that we've talked about before. So you've got you know, Los Angeles, you've got Oregon, Seattle, 
Austin, New York, Miami, Boston, Chicago, um, and several others who are all starting to really start to see some some action around venture capital, around um, incubators and accelerators, and around good quality technology and startups. And people are realizing it's cheaper to live there. Yeah. And they're having access to some things, not all, but some. So they'll actually relocate, which has started to help build these new ecosystems or strengthen existing ones. Now look at it in the bigger part of the world. You've got Asia um, and, and China. So Shenzhen has been a hotbed. Shanghai, uh, Hong Kong. You've got a little bit of Singapore, Japan, Vietnam, Thailand, where people are starting to look to same reason. It's cheaper and you know the idea of working or being remote, living somewhere exotic um, or tropical, and having access to these new ecosystems that are thriving and you know are very fun and full of life, um, it's actually helping to benefit mm. uh, those regions mm-hmm. and kind of attracting a, a new uh, group here in, in San Francisco. But uh, yeah. Right. I think that that first sort of move, and I was just looking through the data whilst you were talking. I mean, that sort of net migration out of San Francisco is it opens people's minds to the possibilities because the question is, is you know, why stop at Las Vegas or Bend, right? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where else could you live? Because if you really could live anywhere, then why not live anywhere? Why not go where you are treated best or where you can get the best deal? You know, mm-hmm. do you really need to be? right next to uh, where everybody else is in terms of, you know, your workplace or your office. And in, in many cases, no. Right? So what, what does that mean? So let's talk about it in the context of Asia. I mean, let's, let, let's have a look at some of the data just off the bat to mm-hmm. see where we stand. Um, Shenzhen, as an example, in terms of living costs, <laughs> um, let's compare that to Shenzhen. I mean, Shenzhen's an expensive city. So, I mean, Shanghai too, right? I mean, you know, let's sort of, yeah. we are, we're not sort of comparing a, a tier two city with San Francisco, right? So Shenzhen, it says, I mean, I'm getting all this data from Numbeo, which is just based on like self-reporting, right? Which is mm-hmm. often the best way of doing it. A four-person family can live on, a four-person family, so we're not necessarily talking about your average startup founder, right, can live on $2,200 a month in Shenzhen, it says. And a single person can live on $620 a month. Now, I don't. that may be living in a studio or shared accommodation or so on. Yeah. But, you know, 600 bucks a month ain't going to get you very far in San Francisco, is it? So there are quite no. significant cost advantages here. And I wonder how that sort of translates. I mean, if you were a startup founder, what sort of decision processes you're going to go through in your head now? Well, and I think you 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 know, you start with the the actual business, right? You you look at the business. What's your what have you founded or created or started, and who are your customers? So based on the company, the product, and your customer set, that's going to define everything for you. Um, and very quickly, if it doesn't necessarily matter, right? You you're a global company. Um, from day one, and your customers are um, everywhere. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to be in one specific geography to, to uh, continually service those customers. Um, then this type of conversation definitely hits you, and you start to look um, at maybe where do you want to be in the world? Where is there an ecosystem that best 
will encourage and support you as a growing founder. Um, where is a great place that you can build a core team? Um, or where is a new market, right? If we're talking about expanding, where's a new market that um, you want to, to kind of settle into and, and grow within? Um, those things start to go through your mind very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the digital nomad piece, which is, you know, a, everyone above a lot of people's minds right now where it's like, I just want to go live in Thailand for, right. for a year. Right? Yeah. I want to go live in Bali. Sure. Go, go do that. That's, that's fine. But if you actually are thinking about it from a business perspective, you would be looking at these cities, tier one, tier two in reference to China, but looking throughout Asia being like, you know what? Thailand has uh, a very young, but driven growing ecosystem um, and because, uh, you know, I have this company, I've, I've, you know, mentored people or I've worked with companies in the past. This is not my first business. I could add a lot of value. I've always wanted to live in Thailand. My customers are global. So as long as I have, you know, Jane here and, and, um, uh, you know, Jim there, uh, we can cover everything around the clock. So yeah, I think Thailand's great. They've got a good venture capital. I'm a hop skipping away from Hong Kong and Shenzhen, let's do it. So for me, that's the that's the way that I would um, advise or, or coach a founder who was looking at it. But even for me, looking at this from a founder's perspective, personally, you know, China does start to pop up on the list. So it, you know, it's a nice place to live. The weather's pretty decent um, most of the time, um, except for you know typhoon season uh, and you have quality access, you have the cost of living, which is very minimal compared to what you're doing. Um, and you have great people. And, you know, if you're in business, you've got a thriving ecosystem. So yeah, I think it, it actually is helping, like I said earlier, these, these ecosystems around the world. Right. Well, if we were to look at that, I mean, we talked about it in terms of the cost. So, you know, I mean, like for like, if you were taking a one bed, you mentioned three, three and a half thousand for you know a reasonable one bed in San Francisco. Maybe it's a thousand bucks for a top end in Shenzhen. Yeah, you know, so you're not extracting. I mean, after tax, you're sort of it's five thousand in the U.S. Maybe at fifteen hundred or two thousand in China that you are extracting out of a you know a business to yeah. just just to survive, right now. I mean, that's fine. It means that obviously you're going to have more cash in the business. But what does that mean in terms of innovation? Because that Chinese company or the American company that moves to China now has twice as much burn time, right? So, you know, what does that mean in terms of they've got twice as long now to get it right? You know, they've got, I mean, does that sort of change the dynamic a little bit? You've got a bit more breathing space. You can experiment, take a few more risks. Absolutely. It changes the game. If anything, I mean, if you're a, if you're a founder and you, to your point, five thousand a month versus a thousand a month, so now you've got five months to really figure out your market fit, um, or to get through some of those tougher times. That changes the dynamic, as you said. It changes the entire game for how you will look at a business and maybe the amount of innovation um, that occurs. Um, because you have more time, so you're you're tweaking, you're perfecting, you're listening to customers more. Hopefully, 
you're you know, taking in that feedback and improving. Now you've extended yourself. Um, now on the flip side, give a quick quick verse. Um, that can also defocus you. Mm. If if you and it can defocus innovation. So if you are incredibly, if you go from having five month or one month to having five months to get the same thing done, is your motivation and your mindset still there? Yeah. If it is, you're rocking. If you're not, um, you know you probably have a few other questions uh, that you you want to be asking yourself. But uh, totally, I think on you know the right path whether it's Asia or it's Europe, South America, Latin America, doesn't matter, or Africa, um, that does help spark innovation. It helps kind of elongate that innovation um, story if, uh, if the focus is there. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's interesting you bring up the, the flip side as well. It's important, isn't it? I mean, you mentioned digital nomads. There's a whole community of people out there. Chiang Mai and Thailand. I mean, you go to Chiang Mai, like everybody's a digital nomad there, right? But yeah. the, the flip side, it, you're right. It's so cheap. I mean, Chiang Mai is, I, I don't know. I haven't been to anywhere that's as developed, but so cheap in the world, I think, you know, where you can get 100 meg internet speed, but live on, you know, literally dollars a day if you had to. But right. the the problem is, I mean, I've heard it mentioned before, coconut dollars. You can easily get trapped in that world, can't you? That you can live on coconut dollars. You could build a business that makes, you know, 500 bucks a month, which yep. I think a lot of digital nomads probably would say that's that's a good business because you could break even in Chiang Mai and be surrounded by people doing the same, but then you'd be trapped. You could never take that business and go back to California. Or I mean, there's a danger there, isn't it? So in a way, having a high standard of living could be a good thing because it raises the bar for everybody. Unless I'm thinking too naively about this. No, I think it's it's also a choice, right? If you want to build a lifestyle business, and there's nothing wrong with that. Let me be the first to say that. I think a lot of people get turned off by the, the term lifestyle business. But you know, the lifestyle business is the idea that you're building a business that um, makes enough money to to pay for its operations pay for employees, but may not have a clear path to exit. Instead, it's just just reoccurring revenue. It's just generating revenue on and on, and there's just not necessarily a path to exit. And um, you know, making five hundred dollars a month to get yourself by and you're happy, that's great. That's a that's a life choice. Do it. If if you're looking to do something bigger and you know, inspiration wise, like change the world, right? Make an impression. Um, You've, you've got to think beyond that. And those types of locations are perfect if, you know, you have uh, a need for inspiration, right? You need to kind of get yourself out of the noise and really focus mm. and be inspired. Um, trips like that can change your life. Um, I did one in Greece. Um, once I left the corporate world that I was in for a hot moment and before we started this company, um, it can change your perspective in so many ways and, and help guide you uh, down a, a better path in, in most cases. And, uh, you know, that can be great. Um, if you want to live that lifestyle of, you know, being here and then going to another city and going to city, it's awesome. Just the thing to think about is 
beyond the cheap the 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 change of of uh of cost of living how can you give back mm. you know how how can you help and leave an imprint on that ecosystem how can you help leave innovation better than it was when you found it i mean that's i think a big big picture but um you absolutely can get sucked in um and i think the other thing people are not thinking of and this i've read about um and it's about to happen is all of these countries that's you know, we look at it as cost of living is low, you know, it's beautiful, let's go be digital nomads there or, or build our businesses from there. Um, those are cheap now. Hmm. But the more that continues to happen, those prices are slowly going to start to go up. Right. And new new locations will exist, but that's also something uh, to think about is, um, you know, while you might be doing $500 a day or average cost in Shenzhen for one person is $1,000 today, well, Shenzhen's getting popular. You know, depending on the report, you you have about 20 million people, give or take, uh, in the city, um, living there. Uh, that has started to rise rent costs. Mm. Um, you know, if that starts to spread out to kind of the surrounding cities of the Greater Bay, again, they'll start low, but they will start to rise. And so, um, don't look for it as a as a means to an end, but um, take it in as inspiration, as an experience, and maybe. Um, the right path to find your customers. Yeah, I mean that's great advice. I think you know th- there's a there's a lot to unpack in that sort of choice that founders have to make about where to base themselves. Uh, oft, often yeah. it's just a default, isn't it? I base myself here because that's where everybody else is, right? Yeah. But now people are asking questions like you know do do I need to be commuting ten hours or whatever? You know do I need to be flying on a private jet? It sounds fun, but three months into that, I'm sure that starts to drag a little bit, right? So Yeah, and you you and I have had those conversations, right? We've wow. talked about um, you know, our the amount of flights um that we've had to take or the length and the duration and how that wears on you. Imagine having to commute you know in that fashion. Um and I I can I can speak to it. I did it on a weekly basis through California. Um, you know, started in LA for two days, drove down to San Diego for two days flew drove back to la flew from la to san francisco for two days came back i mean it was a a constant um uh travel arrangement in a previous uh previous job it, it's hard and you know even looking internally to my own thinking like if i if someone came to me and said where do i start to uh, start a company you go through the basic checklist of like where's your customers where's your team blah 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 but you're right. I mean, you don't have to be, as, a, as an entrepreneur today, you don't have to be in one particular area because everyone else is. You can, you have a choice. You have options. Um, and some of those options um, may be better than others. And, you know, one of the things we both have the chance to experience and also talk about is, you know, we've had these experiences in Asia. We, I've had these experiences throughout the U.S. You've had these throughout you know, uh, Europe and, and Africa. And it's like, now we see that bigger picture and that today, if we started a new company, maybe we, we would go to, mm. um, you know, uh, Shenzhen, maybe we'd go to Chengdu, um, you know, in the middle of China, maybe we would go to Thailand. Mm. Um, maybe we would go to South Africa, um, only because we've been opened up to those, those ecosystems and seen, what's all happening and to us right we thrive on that and we 
we see the opportunity for business and for, for customers along with being able to give back. Mm. Uh, I think for anyone listening, that's a big part of, of your decision is you know where you want to be based and how you can give. How do you fit in? Yeah, I mean, it, you talk about these as options, but not everybody exercises those options, do they? Because it, it's scary. It's a risk. You know, if you've always known one area of the world, to, the thought of even setting up a business in another part of the world is just beyond people's sort of, not necessarily comfort zone, but sort of understanding of what's possible. And I don't oh, yeah. think a lot of people do understand what's possible, right? You know, yeah. you can actually go go and do this. And there's a whole generation of people doing this. I mean, you know, let's sort of backtrack a little bit. You talk about digital nomads. <laughs> I mean, you know, all credit to them. And you know, yeah, I know a lot of people huge. in that space. They would, you know, like you go back to people like Tim Ferriss, who really sort of opened the book on all of that subject. If, you know, you could go and live and work anywhere in the world. You know, all credit to the people that got up off their ass and went and did it because they blazed trails for everybody else, right? You know, they yeah, basically said, "You can do this," right? So there was that that generation, and then I think what came after them was maybe people like yourself or myself who not necessarily didn't want that nomadic lifestyle, but wanted to take advantage of this arbitrage between markets and, you know, the fact that we kind of were a bit more flexible location wise, you know, we were more entrepreneurs looking for, you know, markets, looking for bases for our businesses and so on. So I think we're seeing this sort of phase now where people are coming with they've got bigger demands effectively because they're not just backpacking around and, you know, running a, with all due respect to a search engine consultancy or something like that. <laughs> you know, these are people building like large scale businesses with, you know, maybe yeah. staff and offices and so on. And they're sort of, you know, they're looking around and saying, where is actually the best for this, you know, to be based and where can I have my operations? Do I have to have everybody in one city and so on? You know, everybody I talk to on Asia Tech Podcast, and I guess a lot of people in your network as well, are sort of in that shift, that space, whether they're like yourself, living between two worlds, that bridge, yeah. or yep. they've they've left, or, you know, whatever. I just think it's really interesting times. And how will we look back on that in the future and, and say, well, that was the generation that went and did it. You know, how would we sort of view those in the context of work or, you know, how businesses are built? It just sort of maybe in the future that will just seem so natural, like that's the de facto thing to do. Or I would say, yeah. Or is it is it the future? You know, as as you're talking, I was kind of thinking through that. I'm like, what what is the next evolution? But I think you'll always have the nomads, right? And and we've been able to give them the or you know give the name or the term digital nomads because you can you can um you can build a business and you can live your life and control your life through technology and through your computer. Um, you know, like the person we were talking out to huge shout out to, uh, the guy that runs 64 things.com. Right. I mean, that guy has Cedric. 60. Yeah. Cedric, Man. Cedric, this is all for you. <laughs> so, you know, you've got Beautiful. 64 items, you know, that includes your digital equipment. Right. You can run your business from anywhere in the world and you just have these small personal items. And so I think you'll always have people that, um, with respect, want that lifestyle to travel, change countries, you know, every year or every few months. That's awesome to see the world. Everyone should do that. There will be people like us who are doing that um, for business and growth and you know, kind of establishing ourselves on the ground and 
there will be others who move away. Um, and I don't know what else would be there because I think you have to, for your own sanity, you have to have an idea of where you want to be, right? It's, it's tough to be building a company traveling or, and, and traveling every other day and changing venues. Your, your psychology, the psychology of that just doesn't work well for your brain. You, you've got to find some kind of something to t- to tie back to, um, and so I think in the future you'll have the you'll have the nomads who are traveling mm-hmm. throughout all these ecosystems, giving something back, boosting up the you know early young ecosystem in in the middle of nowhere that all of a sudden is just like oh we just had this great person speak and they gave us all this and now there's so much more influential locally and you'll have people like us um, which may be more of a common thing right mm-hmm. where we're we have a home base um, where we start, and slowly that home base becomes um, kind of secondary because we're we're always going to, to new locations. Do you, uh, you know you mentioned Cedric and sixty four things, and he's obviously an extreme, which is great because I think he pushes <laughs> he the boundary. There's yeah. an element of that. I mean, which we as founders and entrepreneurs need to take on board. We're not just talking about how we pack our bags, you know. We're talking about how we run our businesses. And obviously, we are in the era of the lean startup and yeah. bootstrapping and all these kind of other terms that we've kind of got used to and almost become, you know, our playbook now. Do, I mean, you've been in business for best part of 20 years, if you look back, you know, with Read, Write and so on. I know it flies by. Yeah, I'm like, wow, I just feel old. Right. Yeah, but <laughs> let's sort of take a take a, a vantage point from that that 20 years well spent is that do you, out of curiosity, do you sort of think about growing businesses differently now? Like, because, I mean, I asked because when I started my first business, late 90s, my first reaction or my first thought was, right, I have to get an office and I have to have people in the office. So I have to recruit people. It was just sort of, you know, the natural thing to do. And when people... You know, here's the thing is when people sort of looked at your business and say, wow, you've really grown. They weren't looking at my P&L statement. They were looking at the number of people in the office, right? So yep. the natural gauge of success, if you like, was how many people do you employ? Yes. And that's the sort of a self-fulfilling negative hype cycle, if you like. So, I mean, have you changed in the way that you do things? Yes. So I, I will say this. When, we, when I started my first business, you know, it was just me. Um, and, and then, uh, uh, when I started my first businesses with other people, um, we always kind of lived the remote style, but what was always key was the things that you mentioned. We always inspired to have an office, right? We were just getting started. We were bootstrapping, so we maybe couldn't afford one, but the desire to have an office was absolutely there. The, the desire to be a little, little bulky uh, and, you know, kind of show that that strong big company was there um and today 100 percent, i would totally do companies different i would totally look at how building a business all of those check boxes that people um for lack of a better term put as, as vanity metrics mm, um that's the best term yeah well done yeah thank you I, you know you, you you texted it to me while we're, we're talking so um <laughs> full credit to you but uh no those those things are are no longer necessary. When when you and I start a business tomorrow, do we need an office? No. no. 
Um, why? We need an address, right? We have to have something go somewhere in most cases, right? Government documents and yep. those things. But do we need a physical location? And do we need 10 employees day one? Maybe we can do everything we want to with five people. And that, those types of things, I will tell you, take a long time to get over. Hopefully the wave of entrepreneurs today and beyond us won't have to think about those things. Yeah, Instead, yeah. They, will be, they will be scaling and growth problems where they're like, oh man, we got 20 people in this city. We really need to put an office together. Yeah, yeah. And instead, we went through a lot of those hardships. And same with our friends and others that have been on you know, Asia Tech Podcast. We've all gone through those things. But they're no longer as important. And to get over the psychological thought of, I got to have 40 people. I have to have 40 people. I got to have you know a ton of people on staff. When if you really strip it down, you only need 10 just have 10. Hmm. You know, the, the vanity metric of having a big company is not, should no longer be based on the number of employees, but the amount of revenue you're bringing in. You know, the product, the reach, things that actually matter because they all tie to revenue, which ties to profit, which, you know, shows, a, um, shows the strength of a company. Mm, yeah, the moment of truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? I, I wonder, I mean, there must be a founder or many founders in the Valley right now, or maybe they're in Bend or Vegas and they're at that point of starting the journey. And that journey, maybe it's, there's two of them and they're building. So maybe they haven't formalized the company yet. Maybe it's sort of an informal arrangement, but the goal is to build this thing. This, this thing's going to change something. It, they're, they're totally passionate about it. The temptation is to be sort of sucked into the black hole of the valley, isn't it? Because that's where the capital is and that's where the networks are and that's where everything is. That's where it's the default, isn't it? It's the de facto, like yeah. that's where you should go. So to consider it elsewise is sort of crazy. Is that, I mean, if you were to advise those two guys or girls starting out and in the context of the conversation that we had today, yeah. Could we do things differently? Is there an option? Could we sort of at least explore the options? Absolutely. Uh, if, if, if there, absolutely. There is no other option in, in, my, in my mind or the advice I would give because, you know, I, I mean, I, I grew up in the Midwest uh, of, the, of the country. So I, I know what it's like to start a business there. I know what the resources were many years ago. I know what they are today. Um, and I've seen what they are on the West Coast and elsewhere. And um, resources are always within an arm's reach. If you want to figure out how to do something, you can go online very quickly. You can you know, take a tutorial. You can read something. You can join F6S, uh, AngelList, a number of other sites that will give you free startup resources. There's incubators and accelerators all over the place that can help fuel you. There's venture capital in, in several places. And your customer, your quality of life, and your company, those are the things that you need to be focused on. When your company gets to a certain stage, you know what? The Valley may be the place you need to raise money. The Valley may be the place you need to be based at, in reference to the Silicon Valley. But it may not be, and that's okay 
It's okay to start your company in St. Louis. It's okay to start your company in, um, you know, Atlanta, Georgia. That's great. Do it because that's where your customers are. That's where you know where to do business. That's where the cost of living is for your budget. And when you grow and when you scale or when it's appropriate, find the location that matters most. And if that's the Valley, awesome. If it's New York, great. London, Paris, Shenzhen, Hong Kong, Japan, uh, Tokyo, it doesn't matter. Go for those. But don't necessarily make the jump to make the jump mm. um, because it's going to hurt like absolute hell. Uh, and this is our podcast, so we can say things like that. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. Gonna hurt, like, yeah, it's going to hurt like absolute hell when it all falls down. Um, which, you know, based on statistics is, is high. Um, so take the steps, you know, if you're building something in entertainment and media, look to areas like Los Angeles and Austin or Shanghai, um, New York. Um, you know, if you're building, uh, something in the Midwest is your, of the United States is your customer base. Look at Chicago, um, look at Memphis, you know, if you're dealing with logistics, um, you know, if you're dealing with automotive, look at Sacramento, look at Detroit, um, look at Pittsburgh, you know, look or Columbus, look at these smaller cities, excuse me, big cities in, in all actuality, but smaller ecosystems. Um, the thing to always remember is that resources are always an arm length away. Yeah. That money you want in the valley is just a quick flight. You know, you want access to Amazon credits, guess what? You can get them. You want to join an accelerator, guarantee there's one within uh, 100 miles of wherever you're based, except in certain places of, like, Wyoming and Idaho, mm. uh, with all due respect. but They'll tweet uh, us. They'll let us know. Yeah, yeah, and please do. I would love to know all the incubators in, in those areas. But um, they're always an arm length away. Just yeah. ask and reach out. So true. I mean, what we're seeing, what we're in the middle of, and what we're trying to define, map out, if you like, is that there's a shift, isn't it? That, and this oh, is yeah. a big part of what you're about, is that, you know, until now, business has been confined by, the, you know, the geographically confined to resources, right? Which is that you have to be here because that's where the talent is, that's where the capital is, et cetera, and that's where the market is. But now we're in a, an era where those we're sort of in this transition era where people are realizing, okay, well, I'm still kind of geographically bound, but I have choice. You know that, like you say, I mean, I like how you sort of throw it into casually into the sentence. It's like, yeah, New York, L.A., Shanghai, Austin. You know, it's kind of like, well, those are your choices. In, in years gone past, that would have been crazy to say that. Even put Shanghai in that sentence, right? Totally. So, you know, we're now in an era where you're not necessarily bound by geography for when looking for resources, but mentally you probably still are because that's been how we've been trained, right? But now we're in, like you say, maybe it's the younger entrepreneurs who don't have that legacy who get it, who say, well, you know, why not? That's the kind of de facto reasoning for them. I, I don't need to be here because I can find the capital and I can find the markets elsewhere. So those other parts you talk about, lifestyle, you know, and so on, and giving back and being part of an ecosystem, I can choose. So, and, and the and the thing we're not talking about too is is you know sometimes you you're asked to move certain locations, right? So if you get 
investment, and this is famous for China, right? If you get investment, um, and not China, excuse me, I'll say in most places globally, it's like if you get investment from these local uh, countries, they generally want you to expand out into the region, which generally you're taking that kind of money because you want to expand out in the region. In the U.S., there are a lot of investors who will um, you know, say, hey, we're going to invest in you, but you should come to the Valley. And that's not a negative thing. Um, that's actually because they want to be close to you. Um, you know, so take that into consideration is if you're a company fundraising, um, that you might be asked to move somewhere because um, the people that are investing in you want to be close. They want to be able to be hands-on um, and, and see something you may not. Um, and above all else, I mean, come on, we're, we're, you know, we're here talking about um, our experiences and also giving advice, but at the end of the day, just ask somebody. Mm. You know, if you're not sure, you know, technology is not location-based. Business is not always location-based. Um, sometimes it is, by all means, um, uh, but it doesn't have to be. And if you're concerned, you're not sure, just ask. It's it's the easiest thing. I mean, you know, reach out to you and I on Twitter. Yeah. Say, hey, I've got this type of business. This is what I'm thinking. Here's where I'm looking at going. What do you recommend? I'm sure between the two of us, we could point to tons of different resources, or we could quickly say, look at these three cities. But take the time to ask. This yeah. is a business you're building. Whether it's lifestyle, it's for an exit, it's it's something bigger. It doesn't matter. You're you're building something. You gotta you gotta look at all those things. Yeah, insanely good advice from Kyle. And, <laughs> you know, you can reach out. I'll put all the details in the show notes and you can check yeah. out atp.show slash Kyle is where you can find the uh, all the episodes. And just before we, we round up today, Kyle, I want you to sort of give us, I, I know you're going to jump on that private jet back to Vegas because it's <laughs> it's cheaper than getting a bus to uptown San Francisco. It's so, true. Yeah, I mean, before you do that, just give us a heads up because... Cross-border, Kyle, you got plans? What are you going to do with this podcast? Yeah, we've got a lot of plans. Uh, we're going to start slow. You know, we're building, the, we're building here, starting to, start to slow, slowly grow and scale. Um, so we've got, I think, one more episode of just you and I giving a few more advice, a little bit more tips. Um, and then we're going to start inviting some special guests. Um, yeah, love it. We have this benefit of meeting all these people around the world, so... Let's start, um, you know, allowing them to share not just their stories, but tips and insights. So for all the listeners, um, you know, send a note to Graham and I um, on Twitter, email, LinkedIn, wherever, uh, and let us know who you may want to hear from or from what region or about what topic. And we'll do our best to put together the right people. Um, that we think would be beneficial for you guys. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.